0: Or we're in third week of our series called Breakout, and uh, I'm just one of those crazies who believe that God is in control of all things. I believe that God is still moving in power. God is moving for His people, and uh, I believe I don't care what gas prices are, what inflation looks like. I don't care what your family upbringing is. God can still break you out of things that you've been held in. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And so the first week we talked about we, we need to see a breakout of prayer, people getting back to, to run into the Father and praying and seeking His face, and so that was week one. Last week, we talked about breakout uh, of the comparison trap, how easy it is for us to be stuck in comparison and measuring our life up against other things. But we shared how God has called us to run our race. The scripture says that we, we set our eyes on him and we run the race that he marked out for us. Not for other people, not for what social media is doing, for the race that he's called us to. So if you miss those, check those out. Uh, but today, specifically, uh, I want to preach a message uh, that's not for you, it's for your neighbor. So turn to your neighbor say, this message is for you, this topic is for you, it's, it's, yeah, it's for your neighbor, it's not for you. Because today I want to preach on breaking out of pride and arrogance. <laughs> so it doesn't apply to you, it's just for your neighbor. And uh, we're going to get them all taken care of today. Uh, I'll take good care of them uh but here here's where we are here's where we are i think as as christians as believers as a as even a, a church culture that's trying to navigate through america uh you guys know that i'm i'm first in line uh in the line of we need to tell the truth and we need to be bold and we need to stand up and we need to walk in faith you know that i'm like i'm right in there i'm right there with that but my concern is Unfortunately, the way that we're beginning to do that is we're not doing that with humility and with grace and compassion and with love. We're not telling the truth from the right foundation. We're yeah. telling these things from places of pride and arrogance and aggression, yeah. specifically on social media. You know, we see ourselves, oh, we want to make a post about something or we want to comment something. And, and as believers, we're using really sharp tones and really sharp edges, And the reality is that is not the way of our Savior. That is not how Jesus came and lived and moved and walked among us. He led the way in humility and meekness and had this great composure. And as much as I'm saying, there's times where we got to come in and tell the truth and and say it like it is. And God does use us to do it that way. We have to constantly be gauging ourselves for a, a heart check. Am I saying this with grace and love and compassion and interest of others? Or am I just saying this because it's making me feel better? Or I'm saying this because it's coming out of a place of frustration. Yeah. Scripture talks about how in the last days we need to be aware that there's going to be evil spirits and seducing spirits and spirits of iniquity. And I'm not talking about demons jumping on all our shoulders. But what I'm talking about is we're going to be deceived. You know, you might say about somebody, oh, they're so sweet over there. They got they got such a great spirit about them. And it's given us this warning. It's saying, hey, you got to be a people who can discern the times and pay attention to things and make sure that you're not losing, you know, to the wrong spirit. And and I believe one of those things we could fall into in these days is this trap of self. It's all about you. Take care of yourself. And we get into pride and we build these isolation pockets of all about me and me and my own and I'm going to take care of. Uh, I was at a, a Healthcare care facility in uh, the last couple of days. And there was like a sign in the lobby that was like, uh, like, like we, you know, take care of you first right here. We make sure you're taking care of you first. And I get the message of self-care and it's important to take care of yourself. Cause if you're not healthy, you know, you can't help other people. And I, I get that whole thing, but it's been a really slippery slope of this idea of self-care. There's been this spirit that's crept in that said, Hey, no, you only got to look out for you. Self care, take care of yourself. Put yourself first is a thing that I believe that's kind of crept in. And so the scripture saying, "Hey, you got to live aware," that these kind of things aren't getting on you, where you're saying, "No, it's me and my pride and my things and myself." And uh, it's an hour that we're living in. I thought about it like this: the scripture says about David, King David. One of the things that says about David was in him was found the right spirit. He was the shepherd boy, and, and he was faithful, and God used him and, and progressed him. He had the right spirit about him. Daniel was somebody who didn't bow to culture. Scripture says as he was put into the, uh, the, the lion's den and, and, and he was, all this sort of stuff was going on, but in him was found an excellent spirit. He kept the right heart about himself and God was able to exalt him and use him and take care of him. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to keep this right spirit. The reality is most believers in America, most believers around the world aren't going to fall into some, some big immorality, some big big heavy sin that we might talk about. Maybe, maybe a big addiction or they're not going to probably run out and murder anyone or any big thing is going to disqualify them. But I believe a way that they will be disqualified. And God won't be able to use them and advance them the way that he's called and and desired to use them and and, and put them in position is is if we just let this arrogance and this pride. God will not advance somebody walking in pride. Can I get an amen? So many people will disqualify themselves from a platform of arrogance and pride. I know that this sermon today won't get us a lot of amens. It probably gets us a lot more omies, right? There's a sermon that gets say, oh, I like that. I agree with that. Amen. And there's some other ones that say, oh, oh man, oh, man. And even as I wrote this sermon, it, it gets even me with the, oh, man, oh, man. But I, but I hope that you can hang with me today. I want to kind of give you some theology first. And if I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be a little bit boring. It's going to be like a little bit slow to get the train rolling, okay? I don't want you to tune out. So give me a few minutes of setting up the base for it. And then we'll talk about a few more of the take-homes. Of course, the whole sermon is theology. But let me set a base. So, to set it for you, uh, I first want you to think about like any clubs that you've ever joined. Uh, if you've ever joined any kind of club, maybe, maybe you join like a motorcycle club, or if you have like a golf membership, you've joined like a golf league, or maybe in your some kind of vacation club you're in, you got like a timeshare or something, and you've made this decision that, hey, I'm going to join this. This is going to be a part of my. My life and my lifestyle, I'm a part of this club because you know it as itself, as a club, it has similar interests or it has shared passion, or this group has like-mindedness, or I'm a part of this group because it it fits our lifestyle, fits my preferences, it fits our lifestyle, and so I'm going to be a part of this club. And unfortunately, too many Christians, especially in America, and especially in the hour that we live, that's how they view Christianity. I say, you know what? I think you know what would work for our lifestyle is if we joined Christianity. You know, it pretty much matches up with like our family values. So you know, we should do. We should just we should just join Christianity. That would kind of be like the club that we're in, and it it fits our lifestyle. And we've taken Christianity. We said, I like these parts, these parts, and put it together. And we say, like, that's kind of what fits our lifestyle. But the reality of surrendering your life to Jesus is you didn't join a club. As a matter of fact, what you did was you surrendered your life to the king of kings and his kingdom. Everything changed when you said, God, I'm putting my faith, hope, and trust in you. You went from the culture and the ways and the systems of the world, and it flipped to an upside down system that is now his way and his kingdom and his way of doing life. Are you with me? And so it's not this, I like a little bit of this. This fits with this. It's no, now everything is different. And the reason that I'm telling you that is if we now understand that we are living in a new way of living, there's a new kingdom, there's a new system, there's a new culture. What happens with that is it makes everything of the world, the world's way, completely different. So when the world says, man, you got to do you and you got to take care of yourself and you got to look out for you and your own, you got to climb that ladder and you got to grind. And the kingdom of God says, nah, last will be first. you understand what I'm talking about. And so uh, you didn't join a a club, you joined his kingdom. And when you joined the kingdom of God, you also laid at the feet of your savior, your time, your treasure, your talents. You can't say, oh, hey, uh, I'm now in the kingdom of God. I'm surrendered to the king of kings, but I'm going to keep my time to myself or you know now my talents you know those are something i've worked on and i've earned and i've i've grinded for the talents i'm going to do what i want with my own talents and even our treasures. No, I, I like the kingdom stuff. I like what God's doing, and I, I like prayer, and I like that kind of stuff. But man, when it comes to my resources, I'm going to do what I want with those. The kingdom of God we've, is a surrendered. It's a new way of living. Can I get an amen? amen. The reason I'm telling you this is because if we're going to understand being people who walk in humility and, and, and walk a lifestyle of, of non-arrogance and non-pride, that means we have to understand how this kingdom works. And so as we've surrendered to the King and we've surrendered uh, our lives to uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what that means is we're now followers of Christ. I know many of you would know that, but again, I'm laying theology. So now as followers of Christ, that should change the way we think. Think about it like this. When Jesus would refer to you as a disciple, if he was here and you say, I'm a Christ follower, he would call you a disciple. The Hebrew word is a Talmudim, okay? And it means this, it means a follower a student of a leader or a learner. That's not somebody who's saying, I'm taking a little bit of Christianity and making it fit yeah. with our values. Yeah. It's somebody saying, I'm surrendered to a lifestyle of learning and transformation. Amen. It's, not a lot of, it's not a little bit of this with this. It's everything I'm doing is being uprooted and transformed and changed Amen. to be like that. Yeah. Christian, the word Christian doesn't even come from Jesus. Christian would have been what people would have said about Christ followers. They didn't know what to call them. They're like, man, there's all these weirdos following that guy and they're raising the dead and they're healing people and they're doing all this stuff. What should we call them? And people were like, hmm, they're Christ people. Christians. Let's call them Christians. Like Babylonians and all that. So we're going to call them Christians. But the the real definition of someone who's really devoted to Jesus is again, that learner, that follower, that somebody who's devoted to transformation. Can I get an amen? amen? To live as a disciple means you are allowing teaching instruction to change the way you live. You're emulating the example and it's transforming your life. You know, somebody who has a little bit of interest in, oh, that works a little bit. I kind of like that. That lines up with my values. You're saying, no, this thing is transforming the way I behave and I live and I interact. You can pick whatever the fat is, keto or uh, counting macros or whatever the new things are. Um, I just put a little bit less ranch on things. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay, (laughs) But whatever your thing is, uh, it doesn't do you any good if you're only doing a little bit of it. Hey, oh, my, you're doing keto. How's that going for you? Well, you know, keto, I just really do the parts that I want. Well, then you're not living a keto lifestyle. Are you, am, I, am I right? Some of you, that's the most guilted you're going to be in this sermon. But it's like, you're not living a keto lifestyle. You're not living it at all. And we do the same thing with Christianity. Oh, I like a little bit of that, and I like a little bit of this. But you're not living the lifestyle, the devotion that God has called you to. Can I get in Colossians one thirteen talks about how we 've been transformed from this way of living to now we have this way of living Colossians one thirteen New American Standard Version says it this way: for he rescued us from the domain a domo- a domain is a kingdom or a king 's domain. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom or a new domain of his beloved son. When you got saved, you went from darkness. To light, you went from darkness to life. And the kingdom of God is extremely different than the kingdom of darkness. It's extremely different than the way of even our world and our culture. Uh, we taught it in church as you grew up in kids' men and youth ministry. We said, "Hey guys, what you have to know about the way of God is it's an upside-down world. It's like everything you know about what you know here on earth. When you come into the kingdom, it has become totally flipped." That's why Mark chapter 8, verse 35 in the NIV says it this way. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The dark, the, the domain of darkness says the world says it this way. You got to fight and you got to scrap and you got to step on people to do this. But the kingdom says, let your life go. Put it in the hands of the Savior and surrender And that's the way of living. Mark chapter nine, verse 35 says it this way. And sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant to all. The world says, if you want to be first, you better get to the front. You better go faster, stronger, quicker. You better get to the front because if if you want to be at the front, you got to do it like that. But the kingdom says, no, no, no. If, If you want to do it in a way that glorifies God, you get to the back and you serve all. One example of this would be um, like, let's say you were out on a trip with your family and, and uh, everybody's kind of going ahead and, and dad might say, Hey, y'all go ahead. And, and uh, I'm going to make sure we didn't forget anything. And I'm going to stay at the back and make sure everybody gets together, which really that's mom. Right. But let's just say dad, I'm going to stay back here. I'm going to stay at the back and everybody's going to go ahead of me. It's like a shepherd, you know, it's like saying, Hey, Hey, I'm going to make sure everybody stays together. I'm going to stay at the back. I'm not going to be in a hurry to get in front of everybody and get there first. No, I want, to, I want to keep things together. I want to be a servant of the environment. I want to make sure that everybody's in good shape. And I'm keeping an eye on things as we're moving forward. Yeah. And that's what's happening here, saying, hey, the kingdom of God says, hey, let's get behind people and their interests, And let's care for them and make sure they're moving along versus trying to get out in front of them and be the first one there. Yeah. Okay. It's a very caring, loving way that the kingdom works. The kingdom says, save your life and you lose it. The kingdom says, if you want to be first, you go to the back. The kingdom even says it like this, that, hey, you want to be somebody who bears fruit? You want to have this fruitfulness in your life? You want to see this? The scripture says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it won't bear fruit. So you got to get into this season of total surrender where you say, God, all of my thoughts and dreams and plans, I'm laying at your feet. I'm going to let it go into the ground and you produce fruit. Can I get an Amen. They're asking the disciples, they're asking Jesus questions. They're saying, hey, how do you become the greatest? Who's the greatest? And Jesus replies, oh, you want to be the greatest? Here's how you be the greatest. You become the servant. The servant is the greatest. Same thing when it comes to our resources. Oh, tell me about money in the kingdom. How does money work in the kingdom? Oh, it's better to give than to receive. That's how it works in the kingdom. We don't hoard and we don't store and we don't keep to ourselves. The kingdom of God is this up down or this backwards upside down kingdom. Many of you might know what this is like. Uh, The world tells you, you do it like this. The kingdom of God says, no, it's the other way of that. If you've ever backed up a trailer, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You say, oh, no, if I turn it this way, we should be going that way. But no, in the kingdom, in the trailer world, you turn it this way to go this way. Uh, You all know the movie Cars, Pixar, Disney Cars? Okay, a few of you, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. That's good. The rest of you, we're going to open... But you remember the scene, Doc Hudson tells Lightning McQueen, hey, if you want to go left, you got to go right. And Lightning McQueen's like, that old crazy fool, what's he talking about, left to go right? And that's what it feels like in the kingdom. It's like, what, what are you talking about? And you know, trailer backing up is the worst, right? Because you're like, we live in Michigan, so we forget how to do summer stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> By the time you learn how to golf and back up trailers, then it's winter and you don't do it, then you forget. Like we had such a long and cold winter, I'm worried I don't even know how to swim anymore. You know, I'm going to get out to the lake and put a life jacket on. But then you get to the campgrounds, right? Why is it when you get to the campground and you're pulling in your camper, nobody's doing anything. You go to the beach and you're like, why is everyone at the beach right now? And then when you're getting to the campground and you're pulling in your camper and you don't want everybody to watch you do a terrible job backing up, I'm like, aren't you all supposed to be at the beach? Why are you watching me? And everyone's the expert too, right? Here comes 50 guys. The campground only holds 20 people. Why are you guys all watching? But to us in the natural world, like that's what the kingdom of god feels like. This I'm supposed to be going this this feels crazy because it's it's backwards for us. Humility is countercultural. Is a countercultural concept in our world. This I'm going to serve. I'm going to I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to prefer others versus step on others. It's countercultural. The reality is you're being discipled by something whether you choose to or not. Either right now you're submitted to God and he's discipling you and you're learning his ways or the world is discipling you in the ways in the domain of darkness. Like both are happening uh, and you just have to be aware of which one you are. Both of those cultures are basically telling you this is the way They're, they're trying to lead you. We get a breakdown of how Jesus modeled this for us. Philippians chapter two, verse one. It's a little bit of reading. But it shows how Jesus led us this way. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Then here's where we get to it. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather humility, in humility, value one another's above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you, the interest of others in your relationship with Christ Jesus, uh, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So it's saying, this is how you do it in the kingdom. This is the way. If you have any love in your heart, if you have any desire, if you have any pursuit of the kingdom in you, tenderness, love, compassion, if you have any of that in you, then here's how we bring it all together. You you, you just have interest in one another. You're taking care of one another. And then it says that the way that you can do that is because Christ did it for us first in verse six, it says this, speaking of being in Christ, it says, who being in the very nature of God, speaking of Jesus, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Here's God, comes down, takes on flesh and blood, has all power, all knowledge, all ability. He could have used all of that to his advantage. And then scripture says, instead, he uses it to serve. We read it right here. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, verse eight, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself. By being obedient to death and even to the cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, the name of Jesus, where every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus, with all power, all ability, all ability to hustle and grind and get to the front, he says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna use all of that in a humble way to serve others. And what does the scripture say God does with that? Exalts him. In his humility, he then was exalted. God uses people who walk in humility and he exalts them. When we walk in pride and selfishness and arrogance and we try to grind and put it together on all our hands, I believe that God doesn't use that. I wrote it down like this. Humility is the hallmark or the standard of Jesus' life. When you look at how he led and how he loved and how he led us, he did it through humility. I wrote it down like this. Pride is the hallmark of the systems of this world, but pride is also the hallmark of the work of the enemy. I can't get into all of Genesis right now, but what do we know? And I'm almost done kind of setting up theology. What do we know happened to Satan in heaven? How did he fall from heaven? By what account cost him to fall from heaven? Pride. Disqualified himself from heaven in his place because the hallmark of the work of the enemy is always pride, arrogance, self saying Hey, he said, hey, I want some of that worship. I want some of that. I want some of that accolade. I want some of that acknowledgement. I want some of that. The scripture said it cost him heaven. Can I get amen? Pride says my interest is all that matters. Humility says I'm looking into the interest of others. It comes in sneaky ways. Our pride, we feel good about ourselves. We know things. I got wisdom. We So we see the homeless man on the street and we go, if he would just quit drinking and get a job, he could probably be in a better place. But humility says, you know what? I care about the interest of others. There's a story there that I don't know about. you know what I'm talking about? We look at the unplanned pregnancy in a teenager and we go, if they just weren't, ba, 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 and instead of saying, hey, I wonder what the interest is, I'm not going to take the interest of what's going on in that story. How do they need help? How can I come? Are you with me? Or we say, oh, you know, this person lost their job and they probably deserved it. And I'll bet they were doing this instead of saying, man, they're probably really hurting right now. I'm going to reach out to them and check on them because God said that the better way to live is to walk in humility and to have an interest in others. You know, so many times we even get deceived when we are walking in our successes. We said, man, you know, I work so hard. I'm not going to serve in church. Don't they know how hard I work during the week? I'm not going to check in the kids or, 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 or serve as an usher or do that. Don't they realize the job that I have and how hard I serve? Don't they know how great I am? You understand? It creeps in. We have all these little justifications and all these little things that we allow ourselves to fall for. But humility says, I live for the interests of others. Can I get an amen? amen. Humility says, how can I help? I thought about it like this. A healthy relationship is caring about the needs of each other. That's the definition of a healthy relationship, is you're two people who care about the needs and the interests of others. Do you know that healthy marriage isn't like, hey, everybody, <laughs> we're super healthy because we have argued about everything and we've determined who's more right and who's more wrong. <laughs> so we're super healthy. We've fought all the fights and this is the score. We're a really healthy relationship. No, a really healthy relationship is like we care deeply about the interest of one another. And I'm going to take time to serve and walk in humility with each other. So here's where the church is doing it wrong with the world. The church is stepping out into our communities and stepping out into the world and being like, hey, we're going to have all the fights. And you're going to see at the end we're more right than you. Instead of stepping out into our communities and being like, hey, what are your interests and what are your needs? And I'm going to care for the interest of my community and I'm going to show the love of Jesus. Are you with me? That's how we need to interact with the world The reality is that with God, with God, this is the best part about God, is he gets you where you need to go, sometimes whether you know it's coming or not. God's going to get us humble mean, you can say amen. God finds a way of getting us humble. As a matter of fact, he gave us a scripture to let us know that that happens. Luke chapter 14, verse 11 says this, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You come out here and you're gonna talk about how much you're killing it and you're gonna build your brand and you're gonna build up all this stuff that you've done. Well, look at us and we got all this stuff together and we got everything in a good. and, And those who exalt themselves will be humbled but those who say, God, this is my life and it's for you and use me how you need to use me. And I'm laying my life down at your feet because I understand that I'm in a kingdom that looks a little different than a lot different than what the world looks like. I'm just here for, then those are the people that God exalts. Can I get an amen? Amen. Here's the fun part about uh, humility. Humility is really hard because it involves people. (laughs) My pastor used to say growing up, he used to say, man, and pastoring would be so great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> now, I don't really believe that, but that's what he used to say all the time is because people make things hard. Think about this. Uh, of all the times you've ever been humiliated, about all the times that you've been humiliated, the reason you got humiliated is because it happened in front of people. I mean, you know, you're walking around your house, you're a mess, <laughs> No one's around. No around. You don't care what you look like or what happens. You How many of you have ever had something happen that was super embarrassing and no one was around, so it didn't humble you. But then later you are like, you're not going to believe what happened to me today because <laughs> it didn't happen in front of people. You, you don't even mind telling about it later, but we get humbled in front of people. And I wrote it down like this. Things that humble us happen with people. I believe God's called us. I wrote it down like this. I believe this. Isolation is a form of pride. I think, it's, I, I think I see this creeping in right now with isolation. Here's why I can say that. The enemy's working really hard to get us to, to isolate. You got your own Netflix. You got your Grubhub. You're building this whole culture of me, 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 me. Because it's in community that we work out our pride. So the enemy's like, man, if I can keep them all hidden away, if everybody can just do their own thing. We have iCare, iPad, iEverything. If you can just do your own thing and build your own bubbles, then you won't have these ways of working out your pride. Uh, humility starts in the heart, but is manifest around people. In your heart, you're the most humble person in the world. I'm doing so good with humility, and I'm just really crushing it with humility, which that in itself is probably not accurate, right? No, I, I don't have a problem with humility, I'm good. Until somebody cuts you off on the highway. Yeah. Until you've been given, presented the opportunity to walk in pride and arrogance. Oh, I'm so good with humility, I'm doing so good. Until somebody makes that sharp, sharp comment, And you go, what did you just say? What did you just say to me? What did they just say? What did they just say about my kids, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that arrogance and that pride and that reaction, or somebody doesn't agree with you on social media, and they make a post. And all of a sudden, you thought you had humility good in your heart until it involved people. And all of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to say something. I need to tell it how it is. It's with people that we work this, this out. I'll close with this. At the end of the day, walking in humility is a trust challenge. It's a trust challenge. It's a matter of our heart. It's a, it's a who are you trusting? Are you trusting and relying on, your, on yourself? So you're like, I need to hustle and grind and have it together and, and walk with, with strongness. Or are you saying, you know what? I understand that in the kingdom of God, I, I, I can be a servant and I can trust that God's got me. I wrote it down like this. Uh, humility is a trust challenge. And the way that we can walk in humility is because we know that somebody is for us. Yeah, that's right. Remember a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I talked about uh, the word meta, where God said, where Jesus said, hey, I'm with you to the end of the age. And the word meta means he's in our past. He's in our present. He's in our future. You don't have to hustle and grind and step on and climb and try to get ahead when you know that God is for you here, here, and here. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if they get the promotion. It doesn't matter if somebody else does the thing. You can continue to be the servant walking in humility because, you know, God's got me here, here, and here. Amen. It's a trust thing. Humility is saying, like, God is the one who is in control. Can I get an amen? the apostle Paul we see in his writings he continued to learn humility the more that he walked with the lord we see in 59 AD he once writes and says i feel like i'm the least among the apostles so this is of the apostles man i feel like i'm the least among the apostles 5 years later in 64 AD he says no nah, you know what i feel like i'm the least among the saints the congregation i'm kind of out of the apostle uh, uh, category i'm the least of the saints and then one year later after that in 65 AD he says you know what I feel like the more I've been walking, I feel like I'm the chief of all the sinners. The chief of all the sinners over here. And it's not that he was doing a self-doubt or a down talk to himself. He was just saying, you know what? The more I'm walking with the Lord, the more I'm letting this humility thing grow in me. I love this saying. We share it often. It says, the person that is too big to do little things is too little to ever do big things. God looks for that right heart, doesn't he? The shepherd boy the servant. He's saying, hey, who's the one that I can lift up? Who's the one that's walking in humility that I can exalt? We love this saying around here. It says, we all want to be the chandelier in God's living room. The big, bright, ex- extravagant, used by God. Like, look at everybody. As soon as people come, look at that chandelier. We all want to be the chandelier in God's living room, but we don't want to be the nightlight in God's hallway. But can I tell you, the nightlight has helped a lot more people from stumbling in the dark than the chandelier ever will. It's just that steady, little consistent, faithful, humble, non-arrogant, not pride, not overthinking about our place and and just saying, hey, we're here, we're here, we're here, helping people in the night. Can I get amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you're loving us and leading us. God, I thank you that all of us here are trying to just work our way through this upside down way of living. But Lord, I thank you that you haven't left us alone. Lord, your word says that you'll never leave us or forsake us, God, that, that you're the one who sticks closer than a brother. So Lord, as we're trying to figure it out, God, I, I pray that like last week, you give us the ability to set our eyes on you and run the race that you marked for us. God, help us to be a people who, who react first in the interest of others and not the interest in self. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.